This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. This is the very first episode that is dedicated to the Mom Room Book Club. The book we're discussing in this episode is Untamed, written by Glennon Doyle. This was the July 2020 book for the Mom Room Book Club, and overall, it was phenomenal. Just before I dive into the episode, a little bit about the book club. Um, Every month we're going to have a book and you'll find out what that book is a month before it's that book's month. Does that make sense? So for example, on August 1st, I'm going to tell everyone what the September book is just so people can get a head start on reading if they're not necessarily interested in the next month's book. And so we have time to get our hands on the book. There aren't many rules in the book club. Obviously, don't spoil the book uh, on our Instagram account. But, you know, if you don't finish the whole book, that's okay. No one's going to come to your house and arrest you. We're a casual book club. Let's put it that way. Throughout the month, I'm going to put up, you know, stories and posts on the Instagram account that, you know, quotes from the book or things to make us think about. Uh, I'll share where I'm at in the book and how my reading is going. And I encourage all of you to comment on the posts and reply to the stories and share where you're at as well. At the end of each month, I'm going to release a podcast episode just like this one where Jen, our president, and I uh, discuss the book, some things that we liked, things that we may not have liked. And then, of course, the first week of the following month, we are going to do an Instagram live where, you know, we can discuss the book and also your guys' thoughts on the book. And Of course, during the Instagram Live, you'll be able to type and chat with us. And it's really just a way to see how we all felt about the book and maybe get different perspectives. And if you're like me, this book club is really just a good motivation to read. I feel so good about myself when I'm reading books and, you know, engaging with the information and reflecting on my own life. And I love books that make me think or books that are entertaining. So to be a part of this book club really lights a fire under my ass to actually make time for myself to read, which is such a huge benefit for me and hopefully for you guys as well. So without further ado, here is the episode with me and Jen where we discuss all things Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Okay, so I'm here with Jen. Jen is our president of the book club because she reads a lot and so I thought she was a good person to be the president and keep me on track and teach me how book clubs work. So I just finished the book the other night and I was super proud of myself. Jen read it twice and she also sent me a seven page single lined essay with her thoughts on it, which was great because I hadn't really prepared anything for this podcast. So I was able to go through her notes today and scribble my thoughts. So yeah, we're basically going to go over our quotes that we thought resonated with us, our thoughts about these quotes, and just have a conversation about it. So just so everyone knows, I've known Jen since I was in kindergarten. Right, Jen? Yeah, 1989. (laughs) That's right. And yeah, so she's not just some random person. So hopefully this is just like a casual conversation and it'll prepare everyone for our Instagram live that we're going to do the first week of August for this book. So, Jen, what were your overall thoughts of the book? Jen has read so many books, so it's easy for her to kind of compare books and like pick out books that she likes and doesn't like. So what, how did you feel about this book? I overall, I really liked the book. And so like you said, I read it twice. My first time through I didn't know if I would connect with it at all. And I remember thinking that you picked this book because it's a book about 
for moms and maybe even dads, but that it was definitely not going to be a book for me. I might pick up on some things because I'd heard that the book was, you know, had a feminist perspective. And so I thought, okay, there probably are some interesting points, but I, from the beginning, didn't actually think I would connect with it. So I kind of had this like negative view of the book without even opening, which is not normally like me. I just thought, oh, I know there's a lot of hype and I don't know how much I'm going to connect. And I remember reading through the first few chapters, like, yeah, okay, this is interesting. It's very easy to read. It's very fast paced. And then like halfway through the book, I'm like, oh, I really like it. And I started writing more notes. By the end, I really, really liked it. And so that's when I knew I needed to give it a full second read and really kind of get into what Glennon had to say throughout the book. And I took tons of notes and I remember reading quotes out loud to my husband. And that's how I know I'm definitely connecting with the book because I get super excited and I want him to hear all of my thoughts about the book and, and specific quotes. Even if he doesn't have any interest in it, I'm going to tell him anyways. <laughs> so that's how I was like, okay, this book is super cool. And, you know, I think through that second read is really when I, I realized that this book is definitely not just for moms. It's not for just for parents. It's literally for anybody. Glennon has so many valuable insights um, that it's so easy for most people to be able to connect to some elements of the book. And I think one of the things that I liked best is that the chapters were super short and super fast paced because I actually have this thing where I don't like to end um, the book like if I close the book for the night, I don't like to stop in the middle of a chapter. I feel like I have to end. And these chapters were so short that it was very easy for me to do that. So that's actually uh, one of the parts that I really enjoyed about this book. I thought the same thing as you. Anything that she talked about, I felt like even if I didn't specifically relate to exactly what she was saying in the context of what how she was saying it, I could relate it to my life as a mom or as a wife or a friend. It wasn't like you didn't have to go through the same struggles that she went through to connect with it, which I loved. And I was just going to say one thing that you put in your review, and I, I have written on the side, it says, Jen is a professional book reviewer because it says, Glennon, tell me if you like, did you write this? It says, Glennon wildly and vividly teaches us about love, loss, gender, sexuality, pain, joy, bravery, humility leadership and vulnerability. The words on these pages are more than just words. They are tiny stones on a long winding pathway that lead you to self-discovery. Did you write that? Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, my review is like, yeah, it was good. I like that it was short chapters. (laughs) And it made me think a lot. That's my review. (laughs) (laughs) That's because I read a lot of books. No, I love it. It's like, Yeah, it was like a perfect like summary of the book. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner, I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. 
We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. Um... Okay, so now we'll kind of go into themes or messages that we liked. Okay, so I want to get into the consumer culture. So that was on page 51. So she talks about pain and revolution and how we need pain to grow. Also, that consumer culture is kind of numbing our pain. What did you think about that? Well, one, I I instantly connected because I feel like I always have this battle internally where I'm like, I don't like consumer culture and I don't want to buy things anymore. And then like a week later, I'm like, I'm going to redo my office. I'm going to buy a new couch and I'm going to go to Ikea and buy new curtains and all of these things. And so sometimes I think that it's important for us to take a step back and be like, why am I trying to purchase something? Why What is that trying to fill? Is it actually filling a void? Do I actually need this new thing or do I not? And I think what Glennon is getting at here is that so many of us either are uncomfortable with uh, our pain or our certain emotions. And so we're going to fill that by buying something new or, um, you know, we sometimes see stuff on social media and we want to feel as or we think that by buying the certain things that other people have that we see, we're going to be like them and we're going to fit in better. And we're going to be just as happy as that perfect person that we see on social media. Um, I actually think that Glennon probably could have gone more into consumer culture uh, because I think it, a lot of people think that buying certain things is directly tied to our identity, but really it's, I think, maybe something negative within our own society where we think that people need to buy things in order to be happy. It's funny because when I was going through your notes today, I had also listened to, I'm almost done, that podcast, The Brain, Broken Brain? Broken Brain. Yeah. yeah I love and that podcast. So I just happened to listen to that one episode that you had recommended a while ago. And the professor on the episode studies happiness. And it, she was talking about consumerism as well, in that the more materialistic someone is, the less happy they are, like in reality. So people think that, you know, you have the better house, the better products, the better clothes, that it's going to bring you happiness, but it's actually the opposite, which I found interesting. And it's kind of connected to what Glennon is saying also. Um, Yeah, so I think that's Laurie Santos. And she has a podcast as well, Happiness Project, which is really, really good. And I I can't remember if it's on her podcast or another podcast, but they also talk about um, when people who make a certain amount of money, um, if you're going to make a little bit, there's there's a threshold where it actually will make your life better. And once you get past that threshold, it it doesn't actually make your life any easier, any better. And you kind of get caught up in the same emotions that you would have had if you were, if you were making less money. So it's really interesting how we, a lot of us think that, Oh, if I just make a little bit more money, I'm going to be happier. And then cause I'll be able to buy these things or I'll get that new house or I'll be able to, to buy the new car, but it's really trying to understand why does that make us feel happy? Or, you know, a lot of people, I actually have, um, know some people that you're going back to work as some of the COVID restrictions are opening and some people are able to return to work and we want to buy a whole new wardrobe and we need to get our hair done and our nails done. And I'm not criticizing that. I get my nails done. I get my hair done. But why do we feel that need to have to do that? And so it's kind of like understanding that, like, what is it about that that makes us feel good? And is it just because we're trying to be accepted in society or, is it actually something that you truly want to do? And if no one were to see you or to, if no one ever stepped foot in your house again, would you still buy those same things? I know. I like that you put that. So she wrote, if we had no one to show off our possessions to, would we still buy them? And it's like, I don't know. That's a good question. And it also, in that podcast, they were talking about how 
really successful people, you know, the ones who are constantly working and spend their whole lives working as opposed to building relationships or spending time with family, they eventually get to a point later in life where they kind of realize that, you know, they had everything they wanted materialistically throughout their life, but yeah. they realize that they missed out on all these relationships and things that are actually important, which to me, it almost seems like consumerism and, you know, the malls, the shopping, the shiny stuff, the new fashion lines, like it's all a huge distraction almost. And it's everything is in moderation and also being aware of it. I'm sure there's some people who buy a ton of stuff and are, you know, hardcore consumers, but they're also super in tune with their emotions. They, you know, spend time like engaging with everyone that they're in relationships with and they don't necessarily have a problem with consumerism even though they buy a lot of stuff but then you know and then you're gonna have people on the opposite end of that spectrum the next thing was when Glennon says we're not broken we're human the takeaway message was that none of us are perfect and at the same time none of us are broken we're simply human. So it's kind of the idea like it's okay to feel sad and angry and not to just instantly try and fix it right away. Just kind of feel it and understand it. And so kind of normalizing the ups and downs of life and that like, yeah, it's normal to be sad or to be angry as a human. Like that's why we have this range of emotions and we feel these things all the time. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting. So Glennon, I think it's almost a page worth of her kind of listing these things where it's like, we hurt people and then we're hurt by people or we want to forgive, but we can't forgive. And I so I thought her list of back and forth were very, very interesting because it's like, sometimes we feel so entitled. Like the forgiveness one really hit me hard, right? It's like, we always, if we do something wrong, we want to be forgiven for that. But it's so hard for us in turn to give that forgiveness back to someone else. And so I thought this was very interesting that this this list of opposites that she kind of uh, lists out is true for all of us as humans, right? Like we all go through these struggles and or she even talks about like we lie, but we're also lied to. So it's a kind of this give and take kind of dichotomy that I thought was really interesting. Um, and she also goes on for one of to go like to list one of my favorite quotes where she says if you're uncomfortable in deep pain angry yearning confused you don't have a problem you have a life and so I thought that was very interesting too right like life isn't perfect it's not sunshine and rainbows we all know that Um, but it's about not expecting it to be either right which is that message is so important today especially with social media because that is what most of social media is right is just presenting the absolute best of your life when and then people consume that content and feel bad when their life doesn't reflect what they're seeing on Instagram so um we both loved the story about how Glennon met Abby it was pretty funny I feel like they should make a movie about it (laughs) oh my gosh they I feel like they have to it's so good it's hilarious so yes in in the book they she talks about how it's their second marriage And so both of them had been married before. So, you know, as they're navigating their own marriage, it's a second marriage and they can pull from and learn from things that happened in their first marriage or first relationship. And I think one of the things I had noted is that, you know, human connection is this basic human need, right? We all need a sense of belonging and we need to socialize and we need that connectiveness. But so many of us suck at it. We're not good communicators and we can't tell each other how we feel. And we either feel shameful about it or we can't find the words or when, you know, sometimes it's really hard for someone to criticize you and to listen to what they have to say. Sometimes we get really defensive. And I think you need to like, what I've learned is to take a step back and and understand like what my husband is trying to say to me um, so that we can have a discussion because he's entitled to his feelings as well, right? So as long as you present your feelings in 
in a not a positive way but a constructive way then the other person you know hopefully won't feel as defensive or even if if your initial reaction is defensive that's okay too because our initial emotions is that's exactly what they are they're our initial you can't necessarily control them but you can take a step back to reflect as to why you're feeling that way before you respond yeah I love how you just explained that because that's literally what I do if if something makes me upset or makes me feel annoyed or irritated I make a note of it like a mental note and I'm like okay and I I don't necessarily address it in the moment but I'm annoyed and then if it happens a couple more times like I'm I start to kind of try and figure out what it is that's making me annoyed or irritated and once I figure it out and I can kind of tease apart my feelings and my emotions and what it is that's making me feel that way, then I will bring it to my husband. <laughs> Once it's kind of more organized and it's not just like a defensive, like irrational, you know, like me getting angry because you have to give the other person, in my case anyways, the benefit of the doubt. You know, they're not doing things intentionally to make you feel bad. So if you're irritated, some and usually it's my own, mm-hmm. my own issue. Like, yeah, I've been fucking stuck in the house with a toddler for three months. I'm a little bit on edge. <laughs> like, you know, things that he was doing before quarantine that I never cared about. Well, in quarantine, it's a different story. So, yeah, I love how you just described that. And the so that kind of leads into the next point about connections and human connection and your thing was that you love being around people and like you're super social and but you also need that time to be alone and to reflect and to be creative especially so when you said that it made me think about how in our society now there's like a glorification of being busy 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 I'm constantly doing stuff like I'm doing this doing this like look at me I'm doing all this stuff and I do have a hard time I think it comes up later in the the notes but the whole thing about it being difficult to relax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so it, it's, it's, it's funny because like I can see both sides and I think I experience both sides of that issue. Yeah. And I think um, for me, I really like the social part of being connected. Uh, I'm realizing now that I do need more downtime than I would have ever needed before. There was a time in our life where we hosted family or friends almost every single weekend. And now I can't even dream of doing something like that. Like I know that it would not be, I, it would put me in a bad place. I would, my anxiety would increase. I wouldn't sleep. Uh, I would definitely not be creative. I would have no time to read, which is like pretty much my favorite hobby. And so now we, uh, I definitely set boundaries around that or even last week, my husband and I went on a camping trip, just the two of us. And so we didn't invite other people to come with us. And it was literally just us for a few days. And it was super relaxing because we got to go at our own pace. So while I was still doing something, we I ran, we would go swimming, we would have beautiful meals together. But at the same time, if we wanted to go take a nap or if I wanted to go for a walk with myself, I could completely do that. So it's definitely, I now know that I need that time to recharge but I know you and you've always been a busybody in terms of like, um, you know, you're, you're always doing research or right now, what are you doing? You'd finish your PhD and you hopped right into getting back your, like your blog is going, you're doing all your TikTok stuff. You're doing a podcast. Now you're doing a book club. So you're still a busybody in that sense, which then can make it hard to be able to relax because when you have a down moment, we often feel guilty for just relaxing. And like you said, I know this is a note that we kind of talk on a little bit later, but um, this thought of mine stemmed from when Glennon would get mad at Abby for relaxing in the middle of the day. And I can completely relate to that because for some reason I cannot unwind. And just like you were saying, like you can't, you have a harder time doing that as well. Yeah, totally. Like, and I used to think it was just because I was in grad school and the difference between being in grad school versus having like a nine to five job, let's say, is that when you have a nine to five job, your job is done at five. So then you kind of have this free time. But in school, you can be working 24 seven, like there's always something you can be doing and working on. So you constantly feel guilty or feel bad if you're not doing work. I thought that would end when school ended, but it's not because now I chose 
to focus on all these things that also don't have an end point. Like I can be doing podcast stuff, book club stuff. I got to be reading. I got to be like doing all answering direct messages. Like there's constantly. So there's not a moment that goes by where I can just like sit down and my husband puts on 90 Day Fiance and I should just be sitting there like vegging out and watching TV. And I'm like, do to do like commercial pops up and there goes my attention, like right to my phone, answering DMs. Like it's it is weird. But when I make a choice, like, okay, I'm going to relax. Like today I made a bath and I'm like, I've wanted to have a bath forever. I'm going to have a bath. But of course I put on the podcast that you recommended because I was like, oh, I got to, you know, be doing something. Yeah. That's still being productive, especially because that kind of podcast, like you were listening to Broken Brain, like that's a, I love that podcast, but that's a learning podcast. That's not fluff. It's not, you know, it is easy listening because the content is generally so good, but it's not you know, just complete fluff where you turn your brain off. It usually makes you think about other things and then, or like me, leads me into a rabbit hole where I want to research other things, right? And so for me, I always feel that way. So I I do work and I don't have children. So when I log off work, I almost instantly feel bored, even though I'm not and or I need to be okay with being bored. And so during COVID, it's been especially hard because I don't necessarily have hobbies outside of like reading and I I might go for a run or something, but I don't necessarily have other hobbies. And so one of the things I really do enjoy doing is just hanging out outside. And I'm super content doing that. I love being outside. I know, you you know, some you and I have different perspectives on that. Like the bugs uh, don't bother me. Like I could care less if there's bugs like, like around (laughs) does not bother me. And there's something about being outside that literally makes me happy. I am a different person. And my therapist asked me, like, what – she literally wants me to figure out why that is. Like, what is it about being outside that I'm okay with being bored? I'm okay with doing nothing. I can listen to music. I can take a nap. I can just completely zone out for almost an entire day. If it's raining and I'm stuck inside, my anxiety is through the roof. And so it's something that I'm trying to figure out. I have yet to do it. Mm. But I think that these questions are really important for us to ask ourselves why or in this particular situation we were talking about with Glennon and Abby, Glennon had to figure out like, why was she mad at Abby for relaxing? Like that's Abby. Abby's the one relaxing, you know, and it's uh, like it wasn't until one day Glennon, I think, walked in the house and Abby kind of jumped off the couch and started like tidying up the pillows the way you would do when your parents would come home and you you were watching TV and you weren't supposed to, you know, and Glennon's like, oh, like, that reminded her of that, right? And so then she started realizing like, this is not Abby's problem. This is something that I'm internalizing this, this anger for whatever reason and she needed to figure it out. Totally. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Little Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night and I am obsessed. 
Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment and there's also a glossing detangler, which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair's too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolavie.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. And it made me think again about myself because I know that during the day, I cannot relax at all. And my relaxation, I would say, is before bed for like an hour every night. I just sit in the dark, Uh watch reality TV on my phone, and that is like completely brain shut down. And then I go to bed. But other than that, I, I do. I have a hard time. Unless I'm like fully committed to something like, okay, I am going to pick a movie on Netflix and this is what I'm going to do for the next hour and a half. And like every once in a blue moon, I'll do that. I'll I'll go on Netflix and I'll find, I think the last time I did this, I watched The, the Greatest Showman with Hugh Jackman. And I just, no phone, no distractions, just put it on in the middle of the day. This was when Milo was in daycare and watched the full movie and I was like that was fucking great and like I still listened to that soundtrack and I loved that movie and it was just entertaining like wasn't watching it for a purpose not learning not reflecting it was just like entertainment and I need to do more stuff like that yeah for sure like we all we all do or even sometimes going for a walk without our phones and completely just and maybe this doesn't interest you but that is something that always interests me right sometimes I just need to go for a walk where I don't have my phone and I literally just uh it's a trick that I I learned I think in therapy where I look at the surroundings until I zone out so I'll say like oh there's a red car oh there's a robin in the tree oh someone left their garbage cans out until like I'm so I'm constantly noticing things on purpose until the point where I'm not thinking about anything and I completely zone out and it's almost like a meditative state and I come back like super relaxed like the happiest person ever but it's like an effort for me to do that. I have to think about doing that. And sometimes I feel guilty doing it because like you, I'll, I'm like, oh, I could listen to this podcast. I need to, I should catch up on the news. Like, or the daily is a podcast I love to listen to. I'm like, I could listen, I've got to listen to it every day, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next topic. We both loved this uh, section where she talks about boys. So this is on page 161 to 170. And my favorite quote from this was, Let's encourage real vulnerable conversations among our sons and their friends. Let's ask about their feelings, relationships, hopes, and dreams so they become middle-aged men who don't feel permitted to discuss only sports, sex, news, and the weather. Let's help our boys become adults who don't have to carry life alone. I love that. I mean, I can see it even in my family. The women are so social. And they maintain so many relationships and friendships and, you know, talk about anything and everything. Whereas the men totally do not. Don't necessarily have that many friends unless they're connected to their partners or their wives' friends, right? Most of my dad's friends are maintained because, well, either he works with them or they're through my mom. Like my mom maintains the relationship with his friend's wife. And even when it comes to talking about our feelings, a lot of people just say, oh, well, that's boys just aren't that way. And it's like, well, there's a reason that they're not that way. They didn't Mm -hmm. come out of the womb that way. Yeah. And Glennon, it's kind of a theme that she kind of talks about throughout the book because I think at the beginning of the book she talks about the shampoo bottles and the way Chase's shampoo bottles were advertised to him versus the shampoo bottles advertised to the girls were different right and it's about like strong powerful versus like dainty and delicate or whatever something like that and so it's like our whole lives we treat like we have everything seems to be gendered and you know we we talk a lot about how we should change that but what are we actually doing to change that so much of it we we second guess or we don't even second guess we just we see something like that and you don't even think twice about it and so Glennon kind of challenges challenges us to think about that Um, and she talks about a little bit how we you know there's no inherently feminine or masculine uh, emotions we just have we're humans we have emotions and 
when she talks about this quote, I, I like you, I, I thought about so many uh, men that I know in my life who don't know how to communicate. And I'm not saying I'm a perfect communicator because I'm not, but that they don't know how to communicate and they don't express their feelings, whether that's their hopes or their dreams or their fears or whatever it is. And they don't necessarily have anyone to talk to. Um, and some, depending on your relationship, some people don't even have, aren't even comfortable enough to open up with their partner. So they literally have no one to open up to. And the only things that uh, the conversations that some men feel comfortable talking about tend to be sports or the weather or their job. And it's not really about um, how are you feeling? These are the things I'm struggling with right right now. I'm having a hard time in this situation. Or these are the things that make me happy. Or one day, these are my hopes and dreams. Uh, And I think that as a society, we need to do better and, and teach better so that we can help like we we criticize our leaders of today but what are we really doing to make those leaders better right no matter what the gender is but like what are we you know we can criticize all the leaders that we want right now but what are the actions that we're taking to make better leaders i am i think pretty good at like understanding my feelings and expressing myself but i want to make sure that i can pass that on to him right so it's I would like to find someone who kind of specializes in that area, like a parenting person or, you know, a psychologist or whatever, who can, like, I would like to do a podcast episode on that topic and share with everyone how to raise little boys or boys to be able to do that when they're older, to express their feelings and, you know, be vulnerable, I guess, in their interpersonal relationships. So, okay, the next topic that we'll go to was the one about uh, my island. So this was on page 193. And Glennon talks about how her family, she uses kind of like the idea that her family is being is on an island, and she only lets certain ideas and feelings on the island. So she gave an example about uh, not letting her mom come to the house because she was this was when she was first first told her parents about being with Abby right Mm -hmm. right okay so her mom wasn't I guess totally on board and supportive so she didn't want her bringing that energy and those thoughts or that vibe the feeling to the house around her kids which was amazing and You made the point that so many people, and I totally agree with this, so many people just let their parents in to see the kids, to, you know, interact with the family, no matter what, because they think they don't want to disappoint their parents. And, you know, they think grandparents have uh, a free pass to, which is totally, and I know I always bring this up, but it made me think about the not wanting visitors after birth thing. Like it made me think about that so much because all I see are so many messages from moms who didn't want visitors and were completely disrespected and, or they felt too bad to say no. And so let people come over. Usually it was like parents, uh, either her parents or his parents or whatever. And, then they just resent it, resent them for years. And it's like, you should have just stood up for yourself. Just tell them how you feel and they'll get over it. If not, if... And if they don't, it's it's on them, not on you, right? Yeah. And especially like if you, if we do approach things, like if we do build, work on our communication style and you are honest without being like confrontational or rude or whatever, and someone still doesn't accept that, it is literally yeah. on them, yeah. not and on I you. And I think that that's definitely like you touched on the perfect point, which is the delivery of your message at the same time. Even so, if you either feel bad, you don't want to say anything, you don't want to say no. So you're kind of like people pleasing instead of pleasing yourself. Or the way you say it is confrontational and then it starts a fight as opposed to just a conversation. Exactly. Yeah. Page 262, Glennon talks about anger. So sitting with your anger, understanding it, trying to figure out what it's teaching us. So 
you mentioned how, well, you talked about your initial response and understanding that, well, you kind of touched on it earlier about how your initial response you can't really control. Like that's just, it's going to happen, but to kind of sit and try and understand it. Yeah. And it kind of, you know, it goes with anger. It's kind of with all of our emotions, right? So when something makes you annoyed or you feel anger, it's, you literally sometimes cannot help but feel that way. It just, if it's your initial reaction, uh, you need to figure out why so that you can learn from it. And then maybe in the future, it will no longer be your initial reaction to that, to a similar situation. But if you just, if you don't actually address it and you just react, then you're not learning, you're not growing, and you're potentially harm. like, in my opinion, you're potentially harming the relationships uh, with the people that are closest to you because you're not really acting rationally, right? Or you might shut down. Some people shut down when they're anger, angry, and so you're not going to talk or you're going to kind of uh, to remo- remove yourself from the situation. Sometimes it's a good thing when you're angry, and then sometimes it's not because then you're going to just stew with those emotions and those thoughts. And so a lot of us, I think, don't take the time to recognize, hey, why am I feeling this way? Why am I reacting to this situation? Am I actually angry or am I jealous? Do I feel guilty? And so being in tune with your emotions is really hard. It's not easy. It's a lifelong process that we all need to continue to work on. Yeah. Glennon has a section on racism and I thought it was a good kind of thing for everyone to read because our book next month uh, for the month of August is How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. And so, yeah, I like that she touched on these points. And one thing that kind of ties into the anger um, section that we were just talking about is she talks about how when someone confronts you and she was talking about within the context of racism that people initially like get so defensive and feel like they're being attacked and I love how she said that people are just telling us the truth for the first time and that truth feels like an attack because we've been protected by comfortable lies for so long and it goes back to what you were saying about your initial reaction might be defensiveness or, you know, anger or feeling like you're being attacked. But if you step back, think about it, digest it, then you might have a totally different perspective. Well, I had one other point from the racism part that I loved. A thing that made me think, and I totally agreed with it, was when on page 218, she says that there's three kinds of people, and she's specifically talking about America, but I feel like it can be generalized to Canada as well. And she said, there's people that are poisoned by racism and actively choosing to spread it. There's people that are poisoned by racism and actively trying to detox from it. And then there's people that are poisoned by racism and deny its existence inside them. And I love how when she explains it like that, it's basically acknowledging that everyone is affected by it and has been. I love how she uses the term poisoned because it's like it's just been ingrained in us in so many ways that we can't even recognize. Like it's just that's just how it has been. And we nobody can say that they're not affected by it. So I love how she laid it out like that. Yeah. I also love how she recognized that she hasn't gotten it perfect in the past and she's not getting it perfect now. So she said in a year from now, when I read these words, she'll probably find something wrong with it. And so it's just recognizing that, you know, we're always uh, learning and changing and evolving. Um, And so I thought that that was a very good point to check in with herself as well. I thought that was interesting. Okay, so lastly, I guess we'll talk about anxiety. We know nothing about anxiety. No, what's that? So your anxiety stems from not being in control. What's the plan is my motto. (laughs) And I have to be the one to make it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, so I, like, you know, I think um, parts of what Glennon talked about, I 100% related with and other 
parts I didn't. So, um, but I think that there's so much takeaways here for a lot of people and even for people who don't have feelings of anxiety. Um, I think that there's a lot of learning here that they can, or takeaways that they can uh, help understand people who do have anxiety. And I don't like to say suffers from anxiety or anxiety issues. I just, you know, I have these feelings and they are part of me. Um, I'd like to keep them you know, at bay as best as I can. But I also, a lot of times just embrace these feelings because they, I've had them my entire life and they're not going away. Uh, And I work on them in therapy to try to get a better understanding of why I have these anxious feelings. Um, This chapter on anxiety directly related to her section later on in the book where she talks about control and where she, I was, at that point I was laughing. So the part in anxiety and how she talks about how she can never like truly relax is really related to me because I feel like I can never live in that moment. I am, I hate spontaneity. Um, and as soon as something comes up that's out of my routine or wasn't part of the plan, like I, my instant reaction is to feel danger. Like I literally almost get in a fight or flight kind of situation. That's how uncomfortable I am when things fall outside of the plan. And so I definitely have to work on that. But, and so I was, you know, very emotional reading this part of the book. But when she started talking about control and how she likes to control Abby, it's not funny. But then I was laughing because I do that with my husband. So she talks about trying to control Abby in terms of what to wear, what to eat, how to sleep. And I literally do that with my husband all of the time. And we've been together for 15 years. So now we we can address it and we see it happening. Um, and he's a really good sport and he takes it in stride a lot of the times. But I constantly want, to, and I, I feel like it's coming from a good place. It's because I want him to be healthier. It's because I want him to sleep better because I think sleep is super important, or I want him to eat uh, less processed foods because I don't want him. I want him to live till he's like 110 years old. So I feel like it's coming from the like really good intentions. But everyone is their own individual person, and you can't tell someone how to live their life, and it can cause a lot of problems. And so it's actually something that my husband and I have to continuously work on because I will try to control every situation of our marriage completely. Um, And so I think I even joke that maybe one day I'll let him plan date night. And as much of a joke as that is, like, it's also kind of true. Like, I, I can't, I don't even, I would take it over if he went to plan it. And so it's funny, but it's also not funny at the same time. And for me, it's it's what causes my anxiety. If I don't know what's going to happen next, that's when I get anxious. And so that's why I feel like I need the control. And so it's a really good thing for me to learn to let other people make plans, let other people pick the restaurant, let other people... Um... Well, next time I visit, I'm going to pick the restaurant. So prepare yourself. So, okay, we can end. I could probably do a whole episode on anxiety. Like that's something we could probably talk so much about. But because of time, we will end with some tips on how to read more. I think so a lot of our members in this book club are moms and struggle with reading. I know I really had to make an effort to set time aside to get the book read. Uh, I just started I just wanted to point out that I, I read the introduction of How to Be an Anti-Racist, which, again, is the August book. And I wanted to highlight, like, every second sentence. So I'm really looking forward to reading that. Uh, so what are some tips that you have for everyone so that we can read more? How can we be like you? <laughs> okay, so first I'm going to say... It's totally different because, again, I don't have children. So I understand that I have a little bit more time than most people. And I've always been a reader. So these are kind of – see, there's these are some tricks that I think are easy for people who already read a lot, but hopefully will be helpful for people who want to read a little bit more. And some of them – the first easiest one is literally to set a page count per day. And if that is a little bit too difficult, then set it for the week. And this is – the goal here is not to be hard on yourself. So if you miss that page count, then it's okay. Um, I will be honest and say that I've been in a lot of book clubs over the years, and there have been times when I showed up and I had not read the whole book. So that happens, and so people should not feel worried about that. Um, but another really good habit is to try to read at the same time 
every day or if you're choosing to read every second day or whatever that is, but try to do it at the same time. So if you think you um, have a little bit more downtime in the morning, maybe set your alarm for 15 minutes earlier and just read for 15 minutes or 15 minutes um, before you go to bed. It's a really good habit to do stuff consistently. So at the same time, if you just plan on reading uh, 15 pages on Monday night, but you don't set an actual time, uh, Monday's going to come and go and it's going to be Tuesday, Wednesday, and you hadn't read yet. So it's kind of, it's setting that intention of picking exactly when you're going to do it, um, which kind of leads me into what I think is something really valuable. And I actually just read it this week. So I'm reading a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. So far, it's really good. I've just started it. But he talks about setting an actual, an actionable plan. So you name the place, the time, and the page count. So this would be on, I will read 10 pages in bed at 9.30 p.m. every night of the week. So that might be a lofty goal. So I'm not saying you have to do that, but it's, you're, you're outlining how many pages, the time, and the location. So it's setting that intention. So it's going to make it a little bit easier for you to do that. And then the other thing that he talked about in the book, which I thought was interesting, was in the morning, whether you make your bed or not, it doesn't necessarily matter, but put your book on, if you want to read at night, put your book on your pillow. So when you go to crawl into bed at night, your book is on your pillow. Or if you, yeah, or if you want to read on your couch in the morning, you know, do the reverse, put your book on your couch. So when you go down to sit with your coffee in the morning, you see your book and you're going to open it. And for me, one of the biggest things is I get easily distracted by my phone. So the second I'm bored, I'm going to pick up my phone. And sometimes that happens when you're reading a book, you're not going to connect with an entire book ever. Or, well, I shouldn't say ever, maybe some people will, but I definitely don't. And so I'll pick up my phone and then, you know, half hour, an hour goes by and you're just scrolling through Instagram or social media or whatever. So I will literally turn my phone off or put it in a different room. And I set my page count and I don't leave the position that I'm sitting in until those 10 pages or 15 pages or whatever it is are done. Yeah, that's good. I always put my phone away, like for sure, because as soon as I see it light up, it's just, even if I don't pick it up and look at what the notification is, it's like, it's still a distraction. Mm -hmm. It's a big distraction. It's really hard uh, to avoid our phones. And if you want to take notes like the way (laughs) I did, yes, you can write them (laughs) in a journal if you don't want to be distracted by your phone or type them on the computer. So what I did was, and you all probably know this. Uh, I took photos of the pages that I was really liking. And then later that night or the next day, I would story them and put notes on the story. And then when I was reading in the dark and using my phone as a flashlight, this is what I do. uh, I would dog ear the page that I liked. And yeah, that worked for me. Mm-hmm. And I think with this book, there's so many things that uh, I connected with. So it's overall pretty positive. I, we didn't touch on some of the chapters. There was a lot of chapters in this book that uh, I didn't connect with. And so we didn't necessarily talk about them. But sometimes if I'm reading a book that I don't connect with, but I still want to finish it, like I will write all the opposite of what we just did here. We talked a lot about what we liked about the book, but you can also do the opposite. If you don't like something, Uh, I think it's interesting to write down why you didn't like it. You know, sometimes people are like, oh, I didn't really like that book. I didn't connect with it. Or I thought it was just fluff. Okay, but why? Like, I want to hear a little bit more about that. And it kind of, it forces you to also, you know, understand your feelings again a little bit more. Figure out what you liked, what you didn't, and why. Especially for a book club, right? Because then you can bring that to the table. Uh, We will post some things in the Mom Room Book Club Instagram account. That's going to kind of get you guys thinking and it's going to be questions uh, so you can direct message me uh, your answers and we might talk about them on the Instagram live or alternatively you can type in as we're doing the Instagram live you can chat in the actual live and we will look out for people's comments and discuss them. So yeah that's all she wrote. So Thanks for your hard work, Jen. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed our first book club podcast episode. Just a reminder that August's book is How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. And September's book is going to be Mom Truths by Kat and Nat, fellow Toronto moms. 
I am looking forward to reading these two books and chatting with you guys about them. So until next time, I hope your children are sleeping at night.